It's a comedian. Yeah. He is. <laughs> no, not joking. Hello and welcome to that Josh James show with me, uh, Josh James. As always, joined by my trusty right-hand man, producer, Salvatore Bocconi, a.k.a. the Italian Stallion, Wagwan Sal. All right. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. You good? It's been popping, mate. Uh, you enjoying the new uniforms that I've introduced? <laughs> so for the listeners, I've introduced... A, we're always thinking of ways to make uh, this podcast better. And uh, I've introduced a, a uniform, all black uniform, um, to really go with the studio. And just aesthetically, you know, I like things to look a certain way. And um, so we've gone for the all black outfit. And this is the first time we are running it out today. Well, the thing is, it's not, it's not, it's not really... It's not really what's happened. Basically, I, I've turned up in black. Yeah. And I'm, and you've opened the door and you've gone, I've had an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, no, but I had actually thought about it before you turned up. So um, so I, I basically turned up in black. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, this looks smart. I'm in black. You're in black. So I'm like, right, this is what we do from now on. We wear all black. And I just don't... I think working a job where, where I have a uniform, that part of my life has, has passed, you know. Um, well... It's back, it's back, and all the all the best. You know, uniforms are great. Uniforms are great. You know, I always think when we when you was back at school and you had non-uniform day, it's one of the most stressful days of the year. Like it's just nice when everyone's in their uniform. So it's all black uniform for us. As for the guests, I don't think I'm going to request them to wear black. Oh, that's kind of you. <laughs> so, but just us. This is the and it looks fantastic. May I say, it looks great because. I'm always trying to do things a little bit differently. If you follow my content, you will know I'm not one of these, you know, TikTokers on their phone that does the same thing as everyone else. <laughs> I try and be unique at all times and, and think, oh, oh, that's that's particular to him. So I just think having a podcast where we've got all the nice black and white photos in the background and um, we're wearing black, I think that's um, that's what we're going for. I would say that you get a bit too hung up on the aesthetic of things rather than the the content the actual content <laughs> yeah but listen that's just how i am but look but look i'm not saying that the studio doesn't, doesn't look good i love the studio i'm not saying that your sketches don't look good i love your sketches what i'm saying is i shouldn't have a uniform <laughs> <laughs> i just think he things have got to look right you know to be honest I'll, i like my, things to look smart at the end of the day that's, my wardrobe my is thing. mostly black anyway it's either black or white t-shirts so cool well, if well, I turn well up, there you go i don't know why you're fucking moaning but then. if i turn up in a white t-shirt you're gonna be like hold on it's not yeah, yeah i'll send you home <laughs> <laughs> listen it's black t-shirts from now on because this could even go down a little merch avenue we could maybe have the logo and then you could buy a black t-shirt with your initials on a bit like you know like a squad yeah. Like going the game day, you know, the game day shirt. So listen, it's something to think about, but um, there we go. But uh, what's been happening with you anyway, Salvatore? I'm recently back from the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, I like, like that. You go, <laughs> what's been happening with you? I've just been <laughs> the Edinburgh Fringe. I mean, I thought, oh, it's going to take an interest in, in my go life. On, what's a, been happening? What's been happening? I know you've been working on a TV show. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, I mean, we can. 
See how weird my voice went then. Uh, yeah, we could talk about it if you yeah, want. He's working on the big breakfast. The big breakfast. It's really good. I I, I watched it and uh, I was like, there's nothing like this at the moment. You know, like a fun breakfast show. And I used to love the big breakfast growing up with Denise Van Outen, legend, um, and Johnny Vaughan. I'm more of a Denise Van Outen fan, in all honesty. <laughs> but she was... I think everyone she, is. I mean, she was probably my first, like, proper crush. I went Denise Van Outen. And then during my teenage years, it was uh, Jodie Marsh. Right. Yeah. When the, when the picture of the belt came out. Yeah. I used to have... Um, I mean, I used to read all them <laughs> fucking stupid magazines like Nuts Zoo. and Zoo. I went to watch one of my mates' show in Edinburgh, uh, Esther Manito. Oh, yeah. Great comedian. And it's called Not All, hashtag Not All Men, mm. right? And um, she starts talking about Zoo and Nuts magazine, like how it's sort of bred a culture, like toxic masculinity. But she sort of led me into a false sense of security. She was like, did anyone used to read these? And I was like, Way! <laughs> and I looked around, I was the only one cheering. In like a room full of fucking, you know, women that were just <laughs> not shaving their fannies, basically. And uh, I was like, yeah, You're she was like, any she was like, trust you to be. And I was like, no, when I was like 15, <laughs> Cut the fannies bit out. That was a bit far. I don't know what they do with them. Don't know. No, um, no, that was too far. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's the stereotype, isn't it? But um, no, no. But one point she made in this show, I won't spoil it. But it was a there was there's like an agony uncle. I think he was in nuts. Mm. Ooh, you know it was. Yes, I know. Yeah, was. Um, we spoke about him on this on this program before. And some of the things that he was saying in that, uh, I was like, Jesus, that is a bit strong. You know, I'm like, how did he ever, ever, ever get away with that? Well, I don't think he did. I think there was a big hoo-ha at the time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a really interesting show. But it's interesting that, isn't it? You know, when that whole, that whole not all men thing, it's, if if you get the ump with, so no, not everyone's like that. They, they, they sort of clap back at you, didn't they? Not that I've ever said that, but um, it was an interesting show anyways, is, is my point. And uh, made me, you know, see things a little bit differently, which is good. Broaden, broaden my horizons. I think, I think there are elements of that period of TV that were really good. Um, TV, culture, whatever. They were really good. But, and I also think there were elements that were, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking mad and like just did create sort of monsters to to some degree i used to read those magazines and i would just i would just i would just read them because i like to see an attractive girl in a bikini that was it at the end of the day you sexist pig no but what no, like as in because i'm i'm a straight man and i was attracted to, <laughs> to females and yeah. i liked you know and they didn't always have their boobs out you know if they had like nice lingerie on um, but my I point was, read I read it for the lingerie. <laughs> my point was, my point is, is that the the pinup that I had in my um, bedroom was of Jodie Marsh, and um, it was like a centerfold out of there. And uh, yeah, I really really like that that picture. <laughs> <laughs> and but your other crush was Denise Van Outen. Denise Van Outen was probably my first one um, on the Big Breakfast. Uh, I she, think she was probably a lot of school. Yeah, boys. I would say so. She was gorgeous. She had a great personality. Um, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely stunning. I mean, she's, stunned, she, she's still stunning now, you know, um, inside and out. <laughs> so, 
Just trying to make up for the earlier. Uh, <laughs> no, she she absolutely beautiful, and um, yeah, she um, yeah loved loved Denise. I think with um, with the big breakfast, I think they've done really well um, in sort of capturing making the tone right because I think there's a lot. There's been a big trend of rebooting shows from yeah. years gone by, and they've not done quite well. And they've, it was because it's a different time. Yeah. And, certain shows just don't work anymore the formats don't work anymore yeah. it, it was the reason it worked at the time was because it was in a certain moment but i think what they they done on saturday um and, and, and what they're doing with the with the style of the show i think i think it does capture that kind of 90s feel it does and do you know what i liked about it it's like morning tv but there was a lot of like jokes you think you don't see that on telly now. Mm. You know, like Barry from EastEnders was there. That was really good. And he made a, I made a, he made some sort of crude little joke, right? He said no, nope, didn't he? Yeah, no, <laughs> he said no. Nope. Like, it's really, it's a 99% of the UK. You're like, oh, that's, you know, you know they're going to get complaints off that. People are like, I can't believe you said that on national TV. You know, but it was just good to see that it was a bit like, oh, it's not just... Um, just like vanilla, boring, you know, there was a little bit, Which even Denise Van most... on when she was on it, you know, there were sort of innuendos and it's obviously too many of them. It's a bit hack and it's a bit, oh, but it's quite funny to do it now and again, mm. especially when I'm on TV. We're like, God, I've not heard anyone say something like that on TV for, for a while, really, like on a morning show, you know, and that's why I think I enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of TV is quite vanilla now and every every sort of, channel is quite overly conscious of upsetting twitter everyone's upset i mean i've, I've yeah i i see it now more that um i suppose you know i'm closer to working on tv than i've ever been you know and like seeing that like a lot of tv channels now they just don't want to take the risk they're so scared especially with comedy because comedy every joke is a risk you know and i think they would much rather, and you don't get, you've never really got on a big return on comedy. Even when the comedy films of like the early 2000s and stuff like that, the reason they did so well was because of DVDs and DVD sales, but, but you don't have that anymore. Mm. So they're not making money off like, that's why you, there's hardly any comedy films anymore. Because they don't make money. I was thinking like, I mean, super bad, like just wicked. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite films. Yeah. But again, that, you know, it was it was at the right time. There'll be a resurgence though, hundred percent. Yeah, there de there definitely will be. I think it just takes a com like a company or a streamer or and people are getting fed up of all this boring safe comedy. Like, mm. I'm sorry, but it's just like it's dull. You know, it's it's dull, and I respect a lot of comedians that that do the whole clean thing and are very family friendly. I think you know that's a skill within itself. But when I go, what well, I'm like, I just feel like normal people like stuff with a bit of an edge. Mm. But um, speaking of comedy, how was Edinburgh? You went to Edinburgh. And Edinburgh was great. I've done uh, like four nights up there. I always go up to the Edinburgh Fringe and it's great. If you've never been, go up there, check it out. Uh, it's interesting though, because a lot of the comedy up there, you know, obviously a lot of shows get reviewed and that. They're not necessarily getting obviously reviewed on how funny they are or how good the jokes are. You know, it's it's sort of reviewed more on how is the show in in almost like a fear, in like a theatrical sense. You yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. So you go up there, you watch stuff that's sometimes been rated like four or five stars by different reviewers, and you're like, wow, it's just a geezer talking about a really dark thing for an hour. And there's yeah, there's a few jokes, but it's like 
it's not it's you know it's a weird one up there um I it's think, very artsy. I mean, maybe you can articulate it a little bit better to the audience than I can, but what it's like up there. I think there's two types of Edinburgh, isn't there? There, There is the sort of, I'd argue actually there's probably three three styles of show. This is being very broad, but there's about three styles of show that you get in Edinburgh. There is the very like theatre, you know, big theme, uh, you know, heavy subject matter, a very personal kind of one hour, what like sort of one man, one woman, one woman show kind yeah. of concepts and those are the ones that normally get a lot of critical reviews they get like you know critical reception they're the ones that will get nominated for the the main award um then there's just like straight stand-up shows sort of like extended club sets kind of thing yeah but then often the reviewers come and they go it was just him telling jokes for an hour yeah three stars well it's a fucking stand-up show you know what i mean to be honest like i don't really think obviously the uh, the reviewers hold so much clout because you know, it's what gets people in and, you know, it, it leads to other things and and whatever else. But ultimately, you know, st- like straight stand-up, like club comics are never really going to get the respect they deserve in a place like Edinburgh because the focus is all on the really artsy kind of theatre shows. Having said that, if you're a strong enough club comedian, like your Tom Ward, your Adam Rose, people like that, they're going to get people in. They're going to fill it out because they're just good at what they do and they will find their audience, you know? Yeah. And I think there's also a huge alternative scene, which often gets overlooked. And that is fucking brilliant. It's my favorite part of Edinburgh really mm. is going to see all like the weird shows, stuff that I would never see in London. Yeah. I do like the odd, I do like the odd weird show. Um, I mean, after when I go up there, I try and sort of broaden my horizons and go see different things. I went to see on the last day, the last thing I saw, this is not comedy related, but, but with the Edinburgh fringe, Comedy stand-up is the main thing, really. But there's also theatre. There's also different sort of uh, fringe. It means basically art that is is on the fringes of sort of mainstream. Yeah. So comedy is one of them. You know, as you just mentioned about the comedy films. Um, But I went to see the Oxford Gargoyles. And they're like loads of kids from Oxford. And uh, they sing like a cappella. But they sing jazz. And I turned up, it's just the whitest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's fucking great. And like, I turned up, I was like, this, I just want to have a laugh. I laugh, I think I find this funny. And like, I'm like, wow. I said to my mate, I was like, she's so white. <laughs> she's so white, right? And then, but then they just got me. They got me. And by the end, I'm singing along, I'm <laughs> clipping along. And they're like, <laughs> And they're making, they're cracking jokes. And I'm like, he's a far, there's a guy called Cormac. And he he's making some jokes. And he was like, oh. you know, like she studies this and he studies that. And he studies this. And obviously it was, a, they're all fucking Oxford, right? They're well brainy. He goes, but it's obviously a shit course or within Oxford standards. Mm. And he was like, and that's why we keep him at the back. <laughs> and I'm like, Cormac's got, I'm like, these are jokes. And they like shook their hand. Oh, and I come out. And like, I think they must have thought I was taking a piss because I was like, I've never been to anything like that. I was like, but I loved that. I thought you lot were great. And they were just like, what the fuck are you doing here? Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm great. But I was, I just found it fascinating because like, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't hear of people going to Cambridge or Oxford. I just don't hear of it. So one, I was fascinated of like, I'm, I'm fascinated that you're that smart. You know, and I sort of, I really admire that. You know, when someone's really intellectual like that, it's something that I just, 
I really admire because I think fucking, you know, I could never do that. What was your favourite show that you saw? Uh, Josh Pugh. Josh Pugh. was fantastic. Mm, very good. He's a really great comedian. Um, who did I see? I saw Tom Wald. Good show. I saw a guy called Alfie Brown. Not seen him before, but he was good. Um, who else did I see? Esther. I saw Esther Manito. She was great. Finley Christie. Uh, it was wicked. Just got it from such a young age. Very funny. And he's just got such a great joke about going to private school, which I just fucking cracks me up every time. Um, I saw Red Richardson, another great nice. comic. But yeah, for me, oh, and then I saw some big acts like your guy Stuart Lee. Yeah. You think? Oh yeah, what did you think of Stuart Lee? <laughs> Mate, very white crowd. Again, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying a lot of white a lot. But it was the same crowd as the, the doo-wop. <laughs> it was, listen, it was very... I'm not his audience at the end of the day. And I watched it and I was like, oh, I can see why people really love this, right? It's not for me. Um, and what show was it? Was it Snowflake, it's Snowflake, called, right? Yeah. It's not for me. But I'm looking around like, his audience is very the middle class, you know, Guardian liberal. reading, Guardian reading, that's his audience. Yeah. I'm not that, you know. <laughs> but I, I could appreciate, I could appreciate, I could say, oh, you're, you know, I could appreciate he's a good writer and they loved him and, um, but I'm just not his target audience, you know, but in terms of like actually a comedian, his skill set, I'm like, no, I can see why people really rate you. You know, I can see why you've, you've got almost legendary status to some people, mm. you know? Um, but I just come from a different world to his audience. That That's just, that's just that. And then I see, he actually made a joke about Frankie Boyle in the, in the, one thing I noticed about Stuart Lee's, he talks about a lot of other comedians a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's part of his, like, so basically he's spoken about this before, that, like, basically what he does on stage is, like, essentially a character, really. Right, okay. And he's, he's playing a bitter middle-aged comedian, like, right. and by talking about other comedians on stage, it kind of grounds him into that, and it makes, like, critics and other everyone else around him kind of think that that's kind of him being genuine, when actually really, like, He's spoken about like feeling really bad because he's done like a joke about let's say like Russell Howard. Yeah. And he's seen Russell Howard at a gig and he's felt like really awkward. But he done a, yeah, he done a joke about Frankie Boyle about like him not having uh, like having writers or whatever. It was it was, it was a good joke. And I went to see Frankie Boyle later, later that day. And um, I mean, me and my mate went to see Frankie Boyle. Like we were just creasing up. Like brilliant. Like some of the jokes. Just so good, but they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. You got Frankie Boyle, you got Stuart Lee. I'm more, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm Frankie Boyle's audience, you know. But I don't, I don't necessarily th agree with what you said about how saying like because you, you're not Stuart Lee's audience because you're not like actually because that's true because I know, I know great comedian Lenny Sherman. Um, I know he's a big fan of Stuart Lee, and I mean he's like, you know, ex Millwall hooligan you, you know what i mean so no but yeah what, what you said there about you know the audience in edinburgh he's a bit more artsy a bit more middle class that's often when i go every year i go up there and i'm like right do i want to do this next year that's why i go up there for a little holiday really and sometimes i think yeah i could smash this audience and then sometimes i'm like oh no this is you know these people ain't gonna get me so it's a tough one but i think I probably won't do an hour anytime soon up there just because I don't think I'm I'm what they want, you know. You wouldn't you wouldn't do it next. So let's say for example 
I think, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to have a chat with, um, with, you know, Polly and that and uh, maybe do a compilation show next year because I like the idea of doing stand-up every day for a month mm. and I think I'll get so much better. Um, but she was also saying to me, look, your hour, you know, it's got to have a really strong narrative to make it totally new, unique. And I've always thought that I am quite unique on the comedy circuit. Like there's not loads of people, you know, I'm pr- pretty unique character. Special. Special. Let's say special. <laughs> so I think I've got that for me, but it's like, what story do I then attach to how I am on stage? Yeah. See what I mean? Look, I think if you're going up to, uh, you know, try and win an award or you're trying to get sort of like, you know, big critical reception and stuff like that, you have you have to have a show with a strong narrative. You have to have a show. Yeah, with a strong and that's exactly narrative. what she said. And but also one thing is like a lot, you know, what we, we said there about a lot of the shows that do get the critical acclaim are shows where the comedian is really talking about something maybe traumatic in their life. That's what gives it the power of that show you know if he's talking if they're talking about when they had cancer or when this horrible thing happened in their life you're there with them because you're like you're just emotionally you know you you'd have to be evil not to empathize with that and 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 what you're emotionally invested you're emotionally invested exactly like that and listen we've all got problems in our lives and i've had some big problems in my lives in my lives in my life right <laughs> let me not speak properly being one of them <laughs> but do I want to go up on stage every day and put that on stage for everyone to see, go for it again in my head, you know, give that up to people really. You know, I I, I want to make people laugh. I want to make pe- people have fun if they come and see me. And I don't know if emotionally I want to put myself through that really. Like uh, have that 10 minute section where I'm really talking about that time in my life where things were really rubbish. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I want to do that. I think, well, I think the reason a lot of comedians do it is because they find it cathartic, you know, they find it like almost like a bit of a release to sort of get that out there. But I've heard shows, right? It was this girl. Someone said, you know, she cries in every show about what, what this and that. And I'm sorry, but you cry once or twice about something. You fucking get over it. Didn't you really? So, (laughs) You know, like if you're there on say day twenty, she'd be doing a show. She watched she cried every fucking day <laughs> at three forty five, is she? Because oh, she think remembered his thing again. It's like that's just that's just nonsense. And I find a lot of people that also go for that emotional show, like you see a lot of them in Edinburgh Fringe. Like it's 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 uh it's a bit fabricated, you know. I cry every time I watch the film up though. So you know the start of the film up, yeah, that scene. Oh, with the with his with his uh, wife. wife. I cry at that every time. Yeah. So maybe she's just thinking about that every time. Mm. Or maybe her trauma is as sad as up. Yeah, I, I just I don't believe it to be honest. And <laughs> um, I don't think you can date cry every day for a month and and be yeah. genuine. Like clockwork, it's a bit like like I, actually you probably could be genuine, but if you're crying every day for a month, I'm a big mental health advocate, and you've got to really speak to people you've got problems but you're fucking you need to get a grip you're crying <laughs> every day for a month you, do you not think 
Yeah, I mean, look. It's, no, like, it just strikes me as insincere. Like, yeah, of course it is. I mean, like, I, I think a lot of people go up there and they and they get hung up on this idea that they need a sad story to tell. And years ago, it was like, oh, you know, a lot of comedians are doing story like one-hour shows about their, their dad dying. Mm. A lot of comedians. I mean, I went to see a show a few years ago, and within the first five minutes of sitting, it was the first. Show, I got to went to the fringe. First day, first show. Me and my mate went to watch. And within the first five minutes of the show, the comedian is talking about how he got molested by his babysitter when he was a kid. Oh, right. <laughs> but that's rich for comedy. <laughs> he had some decent jokes throughout the show, but it's not. I didn't come away from it going, "Oh, I'd be in a rush to watch that." Do you know what I mean? You walk away. If it, it's quite, yeah, I've got to say, if I'm going out to be entertained, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hearing a story. About mo- molestation, <laughs> he's mean, probably not up there. Uh, look, he's a very good comedian, and it was a very good show. It's like sitting it down for dinner, isn't it? Being like, all right, let's go. We ain't seen each other for ages. Asking, yeah, I know the great kids are great, but Tony, how you been? Yeah, I got touched when I was six. <laughs> <laughs> you just be like, fuck, Tony, can you at least wait till we've had fucking starters, mate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, fair enough. If you've had a few drinks and you come out of it, you want to talk about fuck? We just got out, mate. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we came away from it thinking, yeah, that was. But listen, that that's his, that, you know. Um, and look, he did. No, he did, to be fair to him, he he made it like it was funny throughout. But you can't help but. Well, you think that's funny, dear? <laughs> I was the only one laughing at that. Bit. <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty strong. I'm not in a rush to do a full hour there, you know. And what you described there is, you know, I see myself as a club comedian. You know, I feel like I'm a good club comedian. Um. I'm just in in no rush, you know. I look at Mickey Flanagan. He was doing like stand up for like twelve, thirteen years before he done his first hour. I'm on year eight, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm cold waiting, waiting a couple of more years. But I might dip my 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 foot in the water or toes in the water. What's the one? It's toe. Dip my toe in the water. Um, you put your whole foot in, you might burn it. That's yeah. why people put their toe in. Okay, I'll dip my toe in the water next year. Do a compilation show. Hopefully, that's that's the plan. But we'll see. But what did you think of the whole Jerry Sadowitz cancellation? Well, maybe fill people in first on what happened. So essentially, uh, if you don't know who Jerry Sadowitz is, he's a very controversial uh, Scottish comedian. And he basically says the most kind of outrageous stuff. He's been going for like probably more than 25 years. He got cancelled. His, his gig got cancelled because he said... Um, that Rishi Sunak was the P word. The P word. And he also said that the government don't know how to look after money because it's run by black people and women. Pretty heavy stuff. Pretty heavy stuff. And he also got his cock out. He also got his <laughs> cock out, yeah. Do you know what was funny? When I first heard about his stories at Top Secret Comedy Club with a comedian who's a household name, like, and he's like, you seen this? They cancelled Jerry Sadowitz. I'm like, no, I was like, what did he do? He's like, well, he said this and that, and he got his cock out. I was like, ah, oh. and I think I said, ah, oh, to be fair, you can't be getting your cock out. I mean, you can't, I don't know, it's a tough one for me because it's like, though people say freedom of speech, you'd be able to say, if you're going to watch him, you know, some people argue, if you're going to watch him, you know what you're getting, and it's a, it's a joke. But then part of me thinks, maybe is that is that just an archaic, type of humor now which ain't got a place 
I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, but you're completely removing the context from it because, like, if you just write that on paper, yeah. then yeah, it sounds bad. And obviously, you know, you shouldn't be using everything. Racial everything racial written racial down sounds ten times worse. Yeah, of course. Cause you, and I suppose you're we're ta- you're taking those bits out of context, so they they sound terrible. But they you, sound terrible on their own. I mean, like obviously racial slurs or whatever they're always going to sound bad when they're coming out of the voice at the mouth of like especially a glass wager but like yeah i don't know like i think he's been going so long and people know what what his comedy is like you, you know you're not going to him by mistake do you know what i mean you're not wandering yeah. in and paying but maybe these people did then. Maybe these people did. Yeah, I mean, he said no one walked out throughout the show. People stayed to the end. So you know, I mean, like it kind of they kind of been. That I mean, offended. what what why you know why is I've sort of bit torn over it is because I see a lot of top acts come out in his defence. Um, I mean, I would never say something like that on stage personally, but that's not my act. You know what I mean? The thing is, Roy Chubby Brown is saying nothing any any better like and selling out like pretty much you know three four thousand seaters you know so mm. it's just like th- there's always going to be an audience for one thing i will say is i don't think that will do jerry sadowitz <laughs> any harm i actually don't think it will because oh, what, the, actually yeah, the people yeah, yeah. That, that like that sort of comedy right they're gonna go what you got cancelled it only just like the whole news story only brings more attention to him i think it'll sell more tickets as a result yeah, yeah I, I think so and i think people who didn't know who he was before know who he is now but it's funny i was at top secret when I, I got told about it and uh i was with a comedian who's on that night who's like household name if, if you know i won't say who it is but if i said who it is you'd know who it is basically <laughs> <laughs> I said who it is. You know who it is. Of course you fucking would. Sorry, but he's a household name anyway. And it was just funny. I just went to him. He told me the story. I didn't really know how to react. I mean, look, he's one of the top guys. So he knows comedy a lot more than me. And I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't think you could be getting your cock out, can you? And he's like, mate, we're talking about people should get their cocks out all the time. <laughs> you know. But I, 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 just, I saw like... He was he re- he reeled off like comedians like Malcolm Hardy who was up the creek. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know all this. Like four or five years ago, though, I was in Edinburgh and I, I saw three shows where like three separate shows, two of which uh, guys individually got bollock naked, and then another show where a woman got completely naked. Well, yeah, there's that famous show in Edinburgh Spank where someone gets their kit off if they want to at the end of the show, don't yeah. they? They get naked. I mean, I see a lot of like. Um, sort of like alternative like clown acts and that's kind of like the, a big thing about clowning like you go to like like Goliers, like this big clown school in france um and they say you know you have to strip yourself of any shame you know so that's why a lot of these clown like alternative comedians get, will just get get their kit off halfway through the show because really? it's because it's funny because it, it's it's funny watching like a bloke run around on stage naked doing yeah i mean shit. it's quite funny yeah it's <laughs> Um, you know, and it's, you know, it's always funny when someone gets their dick or bollocks out, you're not expecting it unless you're a woman and it's on like public transport or something, or unless you you feel completely friend, but on a stage, it's not, it's not like, you know, it doesn't seem like anything that doesn't belong on there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. It's not for me to answer. I mean, one thing I would say is that, you know, freedom of speech in comedy is, is so important. And I might not agree with something that you say up there, but I might be really against something that you say up there, but I suppose you should have the right to say it, shouldn't you, really? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, I don't necessarily think it's about freedom of speech. I was reading something from a comedian on Facebook earlier about it, and he was saying it's more about freedom of artistic expression because Jerry Sadowitz could say, well, this is my art and this is how I do it. And, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to come and watch it. And that, that, and that is basically the bottom line, isn't it? If you don't like it, don't fucking go and see it. Yeah. But this is where do you draw the line? You know what I mean? Like what if, you know, I put on a show and like, you know, you were like, oh, I want to come watch her. And then like, I got my cock out, you know, maybe like, I don't know, fucking pissed on your face or whatever. And I'm like, mate, <laughs> and you get the um, and I'm like, mate, it's art. Yeah. Pissing on someone's a bit different. But, maybe that's the line. <laughs> well, maybe it is. Maybe we found the line. Yeah. Well, that would be Edinburgh show sorted. Yeah. Maybe I'll go on GB news and be like, you didn't piss on anyone. <laughs> come on. Your Edinburgh show next year. You Just come pissing out. on people. First two minutes. I was nonstop when I was four mm. and I'm going to piss on the front row. Now watch this. Bend over and go, <laughs> squeeze out a big old, big old turd. And then I start crying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my life. Did you hear about Josh James? He shits and cries every shits night. and cries. <laughs> he pisses, shits and cries. Five stars. <laughs> five stars to Guardian. <laughs> that would get five stars from the Guardian. Yeah. It would. Ne never has a comedian been so revealed on stage. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I, it would be funny if I got naked on stage, though, because I... I mean, I've got a strangely small penis. <laughs> and it would be funny. In fact, you may have just given me a little bit there. Got new material night on Wednesday, so I might try that out. Get your cock out. I might get my cock out. Should we end it there? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Anything to plug? Yeah, my one-man show. Um, he's coming to the Bournemouth Fringe Festival on September the 7th. Um, it's called Just Me, All of Me, and Nothing But Me. Um, and that's, you know, the show where I piss shit and cry. Uh, so if you fancy it, get tickets. Jerry Sadowitz is, um, is supporting me and he's going to get... He's little Blonker out. <laughs> um, and then Salvatore's closing the show and he's going to get his, his, his little, his little one out. Um, yeah. But because it's so hairy, you're not going to be able to see it. He's <laughs> got a big old Italian bush. So uh, yeah. that's it. That's it. Um, thanks for another episode. Uh, I hope you're enjoying them. Listen, can we ask a favor? Can you rate it five stars on Spotify? And if you're listening on Apple podcast, can you rate it five stars on there, please? And can you leave a lovely review and can you share it to all your mates? Because we're rocking and rolling and we are actually, we're, we're, we're really growing the audience now. It's, it's good to see, you know. But to keep it going, to make it, you know, to keep this podcast going, we need your support, guys, because we need it to be bigger. It's not big enough yet. <laughs> but we're getting there. We need to make it sustainable. So please keep supporting it, guys. See you next week.